Hey there, Conquerors. Mike here, and I just want to thank you all for listening to today's episode. And before the show starts, I wanted to briefly mention that Josh and I have put together a new page on Patreon. And uh, what Patreon is, it allows our listeners and anyone who wants to support us to contribute via small monthly donations. And those small donations will help keep the podcast up and running and uh, keep our equipment up to date and that sort of thing. And uh, we really appreciate any help you can give. And um, our goal is just to keep releasing great content for you. And um, these small donations will help us in a big way. So please head on over to www.patreon.com backslash conquering Columbus to check that out. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but I'll find a way to survive I'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again I think of that guy in my ear I think about stepping up to the stage I think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes but I've won more than I've lost and so like I bet on me any day choosing greatness greatness doesn't choose you you know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another show of Conquering Columbus. And uh, I'm going to kick it over to Josh here today. we got a really great episode, and he's going to introduce our guest. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Today we have Mikey Sorboro. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yep, Sorboro. 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 Yep. And in 2009, for those of you who don't know, uh, Mikey realized that Columbus had plenty of euros and hot dogs, but was seriously lacking in the pizza department. Instead of waiting around for someone to bring pizza to Columbus, he decided to get to work and create a pizza by the Slice Eatery that was unique to Columbus. Today, they have nine locations in Columbus, along with two food trucks, and it's pizza become a staple of the Columbus lifestyle. Welcome to the show, Mikey, and uh, welcome to a late night slice episode of Conquering Columbus. Thanks, fellas. Great to be here. Awesome. And we're really excited to have you on the show, Mikey. So what's a typical day in your life today look like? Just I, I like to introduce that question just to start thinking. Yeah. About. You know, it's kind of funny. Today, um, like lately, you know, when Late Night Slice started, it was uh, you know kind of the typical story that you're doing everything from the accounting to the plumbing to the painting to the you know payroll and everything. And now my life is really kind of boring. And it's, it's funny because uh, things have just either settled down so much, they've evened out so much, or they've been delegated, you know, Things have been delegated so much that, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, 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 I feel like I have a desk job now. And, you know, I, uh, it's one of those things like I get to pick out wallpaper. It's fun in a weird way because I get to do like the fun stuff. You know, I get to go antiquing and, and pick out wallpaper, like I said, and, and decide where we're going to put the new locations and stuff. So, um, you know, typical day of my life is, uh, is uh, a lot of Pinterest and uh, a lot of driving around and uh, tasting different things. So it's, uh, it's fun. I'm kind of like the big babysitter. Right. Yeah, I hope you weren't doing plumbing and cooking within close proximity to each other. No, 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 no. I want, but sometimes you have to. And, uh, <laughs> yikes! I'm respect to plumbers, man. Yeah. yeah. So let's kind of kick it back and just start from the beginning, and we'll kind of try to build it up and talk a little bit about your childhood, where you grew mm-hmm. up, and kind of take us through, um, I guess, your early days. Yep. So grew up in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, which is a uh, suburb of Akron, and uh, lived there till I was 18. Went to college there. Um, graduated Falls High, class of 99. Uh, went to college for one quarter at Akron, University of Akron. And uh, not that that was a bad place, but I hated it because all my friends were down here in Columbus. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go down and live with you guys, even though I'm not in college yet, because all my buddies were down here. So uh, I kind of crashed in the dorms for a while. I was like an official, unofficial member of Stradley Hall. For forever, which was a blast, um, especially when you don't actually actually have to go to school or anything, and uh, that was kind of uh, you know growing up in college for me. Um, eventually started going to OSU, uh, went occasionally, and uh, that's the key. You just kind of occasionally yeah, yeah, you yeah, show yeah. up. Yeah, you just got to make your showing every once in a while. Um, one of those guys who never finished, and um, to this day, I don't think I'd actually still advocate. For going, uh, you know, going to do the whole college thing if you're not sure what you want to go for. 
Um, so yeah, so that was uh, that kind of leads up into uh, you know 2000, I think one or so when we uh, when I moved down here, and uh, been in Columbus ever since. Traveled all over the country, but uh, Columbus has always always brought me back. You know, something you just said about college. I thought it was really cool. Like, don't go to college if you don't have a good reason that you're going for. And I never really thought about that like that. You know, like, it's always like the idea is like, oh, well, I'm going to college so that I can get a good job eventually. That right. I don't know what that job is, but I know that college is somehow going to help me get there. Exactly. Because that's what you're told, you know, when, you, when you're, and your parents through no fault of their own, and your, your mentors at that age were always like, you know, you, you, you grow up, you graduate, you go to college, you get a job. That's what you do. Um, there's rarely any talk of, other options, you know, that, you know, you can start your own business or that you can learn a trade or, you know, there's, there's so many other options there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, especially from, you know, my age group, uh, kind of that, you know, beginning millennials last of the Gen Xers, you know, were, were really told like, that's your only option, you know, and to do that, you have to take out a mountain of debt to do it. And to be successful, no matter what, even if you have to, you have to go to college. And don't worry, you'll get a fine job. Anyway, I could talk for another hour about this stuff, but um, you know, that's 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 a big thing with me is like you know, letting people know that there's other options out there. You know. So, what did your parents do when you were growing up? Yeah. So, my dad is an X-ray tech. Uh, he is a uh, radiologist. He takes he takes X-rays of people, which was really really convenient. Uh, when we were growing up, because uh, me and my sisters were kind of rambunctious kids, and you know, occasionally we'd break bones, and uh, it was easy because he'd take the X-rays right there at the house, and then we'd go to the hospital, and they'd be like, "He's got a broken foot," and they'd be like, "How do you know?" And he'd be like, "Here, <laughs> <laughs> here's the X-rays." Um, so, and, and my mom, uh, she works at Stan Hewitt Hall in uh, in Akron. And Stan Hewitt Hall is the giant mansion up there uh, of F.A. Cyberling, who is the founder of Goodyear Tire and Rubber. So very cool place if you have never visited that giant house before. Very cool. Yeah. So while you were in college, did you know that you had like an entrepreneurial mindset? Or did you, were you thinking about getting a job? Or, hey, I need to start my own business? No, I never really had the uh, start your own business mindset. I guess the entrepreneurial mindset. I never really had that. That, um... It kind of came by accident, I guess. Um, I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. I, I didn't really think of that as entrepreneurial, though, you know, and I really hate that word, and we'll go into that a little bit later, too. Um, but no, it was, uh, I don't know, I drifted around through my early 20s. I DJed for a long while. I, that took me all over the country. That was really, really cool. Um, always was in Columbus, but always moving around, always traveling a little bit. So, um, yeah, it, it, it took me traveling around and seeing things that were working in other parts of the country uh, to realize that, you know, Columbus was a really ripe place for these things. So, um, you know, my first project that I had, and I always call businesses before they're actually money-making businesses, they're projects. This is a big project, man. It's always a project, and that's okay, you know. Um, worst thing you can do is quit your job to start a business. We might get into that later too, uh, but yeah, you know, this the project. My first project was uh, ECT pedicab. There were those bike taxis, you know, those uh, like rickshaw type things, and that was. Uh, I, I found that I was working out in Vegas at the time, and I had, uh, saw these things. I was kind of like on a vacation from my vacation. I was hanging out in San Diego, and uh, you know, I saw these rickshaws going around. I'm like, this would be perfect for Columbus. You know, the short north has kind of grown into its own. And, you know, I think these, these bike taxis really work. So saved up a bunch of money and brought five of them back in 2007. And that's, uh, that's kind of how I started off on, you know, I guess doing my own thing. And those are the bikes with the two seats in the back. Is that what that is? Yeah, you got it. Okay. Right. So you brought them back here and then you just, how'd you, you start driving them yourself or oh, yeah. you, really? Yeah. 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 It was, uh, like me and my giant tricycle and, uh, uh, we had five at the time, and it was a really cool little business. There is no better shape you can be in than the shape you are in when you're a pedicab driver because you're hauling around, um, I don't know, three, five, six hundred pounds in these bikes sometimes. So it is, it is insane. Um, funny story is that your metabolism is so high in these, once you stop, say, to uh, do pizza for a living as opposed to lugging people around on the back of a giant tricycle for a living, uh, I didn't realize that your metabolism uh, doesn't follow that. And, uh, yeah, 
I gained a lot of weight after I thought that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's funny. I think that those pedicabs, have you ever been to New York City and seen those pedicabs oh, everywhere? Yeah. Yep. It's like, I swear it's like Uber. Like they yep. all agree, like, all right, yep, demand's higher. We're just going to start slapping fours and fives <laughs> on the other side instead of two. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Yeah, we, but, we, we were surge pricing before it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The original we were uncool pricing. with surge pricing before it was uncool. <laughs> all right, but yeah, so kind of moving forward from that, were there any other businesses along the way between your projects, we'll call them, mm-hmm. between the pedicab and late night slice yes and so you get here in 2001 at what point do the pedicabs finally make it to columbus with so pedicabs came uh in 2007 okay so that was when we that was when we first launched ect um and to answer the first question no i i had had a couple of like ideas that i tried to get off the ground nothing really stuck though and i didn't even think of like i gotta start my own business it was just like i got an idea let's see where this can go but nothing ever really went anywhere um you know, for the most part, I think I did some like DJing on the sides, you know, just stuff like that, but nothing, nothing like I'm going to start my business. Um, the way late night slice came, it kind of came from the pedicabs because when you're driving around in the short North at, you know, one, two, three in the morning, you got a lot of hungry drunk people on the back of your giant tricycle. And, you know, you kept hearing from these people like, Hey, where's the pizza by the slice in this city? And after, you know, hearing that so many times and was like, I don't know where is the pizza by the slice in the city. So, um, I I, uh, I had that. I lived in the building. It's it's the same building that's our offices now. I've been there about eleven years now, give or take. And in the shack, the original shack was a uh, was an office to a used car lot that used to operate right in that uh, right in that lot there. Uh, we tore it down about a year and a half ago. But that little shack was uh, that was our first pizza shop, and it brought the health department in. And I was like, can this one hundred and forty square feet <laughs> be a pizza shop? And they were like, ugh. If you want it to be, <laughs> you need to have a three compartment sink and a hand sink and you know a couple other things. And uh, so we, I, I mean, I was in there tearing walls down, painting. I installed the plumbing myself. Um, you know, it's and you'd ri- I'd ride my giant tricycle until I had enough money to buy a uh, like a refrigerator for the place and put a refrigerator in and ride for a few more weeks and I'd have enough money to buy a pizza oven and you know we kind of just pieced late night slice together. And uh, then we had this pizza shop, and they were like, all right, who knows how to make pizza? <laughs> <laughs> so the Short North was a giant, like, testing ground for us. It was like a giant guinea pig uh, before we actually nailed down what, you know, the, the recipe that you taste today and everything. So so were you doing the pedicab full-time, or were you doing another job that, with that? or No, we were full-time on the bikes. Um, the bikes was one of those things, like, it was actually a really, really good job as long as you rode the bike and then you had like four other ones to get like rental fees from and everything. Um, it was a, it was a cool little, cool little lifestyle business. It really was, um, highly recommended to anybody. You know, if there's a, if there's a, a niche in your town or something for these bikes, it's, it's a great way to, you know, make a decent living. And you know, when you're young and able to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then you branch into this idea, you're, looking into opening the first shop and then kind of take us through, I mean, you already said you were on the health inspector, you had some money saved up, you bought it kind of one part at a time. Yep. And then how did that process finally evolve into something that was real? Um, in about July of 2009, um, the pizza shop was set up and we were like, we got to launch. And the health department was like, well, we can't get to you for like six weeks. And I was like, all right. And I hung up the phone and we opened that night. <laughs> and this has been long enough now that I, I'm, I'm not uh, afraid to say that. And I think, I don't know if anybody that works there is still working there at the time, so I don't think it matters. Um, but yeah, we opened about five weeks before we actually got our uh, thumbs up to open from health. Uh, but we had to, you know, it was one of those things. I had so much money into this. I had so much money at the time, you know, for just, you know, a, you know what, 27-year-old kid or something like that. Um, yeah, I had so much in at the time. We we're like, all right, we got to open. You know, people people were kind of you know starting to catch on a little bit. So, um, so yeah, that was uh, that was July fourth, two thousand nine. We just celebrated our seventh birthday, um, and we opened with very little fanfare in the short north. Uh, it was mostly just like my friends hanging out at the beginning. Um, you know, people started to take notice a little bit. Um, we were actually buying pizzas from a pizza shop in Clintonville at the time because nobody knew how to make pizza. You know, uh, so 
yeah, we were just buying pizzas and, you know, every day and every week, you know, for the first couple of weeks, we'd be like, all right, I need more pizza. And they'd be like, come on, man, this isn't cool. And I'd be like, I know, I know, but I need more pizza. And then I started buying dough from like, uh, 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 Trader Joe's, I think was our second one. And, you know, that was like, I'm like, Hey guys, I need like 60 dough balls, you know? And they'd be like, we got you, man. And Finally, they're like, all right, we don't got you anymore, man. <laughs> like this. So we had to, you know, within about like that first six weeks, two months, we went from like buying our own pizza to actually having to learn how to make it. And, uh, you know, that kind of started us on, our, on our, our journey of like, okay, how do you make pizza? Thank God for stuff like YouTube and <laughs> stuff because nobody knew how to make pizza, especially me. And it was like, all right, I, I'm like, how do you make a dough ball from a ball of dough to a round sheet of dough? And that's really hard if you've never done it before. I mean, there was a time that I can remember me and my partner, Bryce, like we were both two hands each on a side of a dough ball, pulling the thing, trying to get it to stretch out. And uh, uh, it didn't work at all. Uh, it took us a lot of wasted dough to actually figure that out. But yeah, it's, uh, thanks, thank God there's stuff like YouTube out there that actually show you what to do now. Wait, you didn't go straight to just the, the spinning it up in the air like in the movies? No, I still can't do that. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm not very good at it. Um, I can do it a little bit. So how many people are helping you out at this point? Like, are you paying employees? Are they doing it for free? Yeah, so at this point, and I'm going to say in our first two months, um, my partner, Jason, he was helping me out pretty much full time. But he was with the pedicabs as well. So he was kind of my partner in that. And it kind of just, you know, morphed into pizza. And in November of that year, uh, I got a hold of my buddy Bryce, who I've known since uh, sixth grade, and he had a really cushy job. And I was like, hey, what do you think about spending some money? <laughs> you know all that money you make? <laughs> I got an idea. So I was like, let's get a, let's get a, 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 something that we can take this pizza to like festivals and stuff. And so that's how we got our first food truck. We found this truck with a, and we had no idea we were getting into like, a food truck like they are today, like a food truck crazy, you know? We just thought, I'm like, I don't know, something that I can drive to the festivals and we can sell pizza out of. That's, we just want something on wheels. And we found it and that was Shows the, up in like a covered wagon attached to a yeah, truck. Yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, like a trailer, a truck. We just happened to find this truck, you know, like two hours south of here that already had a pizza oven in it. We're like, all right, sweet, man. You know, 12 grand or something like that, you know, enough that, you know, we could, we could, we could make that happen with my old pal, Bryce, you know, I'm like, hey, man, let's do this. And, you know, so he became, uh, you know, along with Jason, my partner in the business. And to this day, it's still the three of us. That's awesome. Have you ever taken any outside investment from other sources? Is that a have question not. you can ask? Yep. Nope. Have not at all. And uh, up until recently, up until we opened Oddfellows Liquor Bar, which was our first big project, uh, we opened that about two years ago, almost to the day. Uh, we've been debt free. That was the first thing we actually took out money for was to open that bar. So uh, we've taken out one other... Uh, chunk of money to open up the 4th Street location. So, you know, up for the first five years or so, we were, uh, you know, pretty much bootstrapped everything ourselves. Funny story, we were just there, actually, at Oddfellows with uh, Wolf. Oh, cool. Know, you know, yep. And I had a slice of your pizza, and when I eat spicy food... The dude I... could have swam out of there. He sweats. I walk in, and literally his shirt's soaked. He's like... Dude, I'm sweating a little. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you look horrible. I'm gonna take like, you back to the walk-in. And I got hang out back here like and everything, and, and oh, it was bad. I'm like, we gotta interview this Mikey guy. There's some shit in his pizza that's going on. I don't know what it is. <laughs> that's funny, but it was delicious. It's good. Highly recommend. Yep. So during that first shop time, was there any ups and downs? You guys thought, all right, maybe it's not gonna make it. Like you said at first, just your friends hanging out. What mm. do you think really started you guys to gain some momentum and get some customers? Lines. That's, that's what really, you know, I, I can't say we had in the beginning, we didn't have really any, we didn't really have any downtime because as the place got more popular, the momentum kind of grew with it and as did those lines, you know, so we, we were growing, I mean, every, every weekend we were growing and doubling, you know, what we did the previous weekend. So, um, you know, in the beginning there was really no, it was really no like, oh shit, is this going to work? It was more, this is working really well. And, you know, how are we going to build the infrastructure to actually keep this going? Um, when we did, and this is something that a, a lot of, uh, you know, first-time entrepreneurs go through, they go into the friend zone. And the friend zone is hiring all your friends. <laughs> and that's a really good uh, method at first because you have that immediate uh, trust right there. And that's something that's really invaluable. You know, you, you always got to worry about, you know, employees. 
but when you have your friends working for you, you, you don't really have to worry about them like stealing money. You got to worry about them not drinking too much. <laughs> and so we were in the friend zone for, yeah, it's probably about a year or so. And I, I mean, there's still, I mean, still some of my buddies that started then are still working for us now. Um, you know, six, six years later. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, yeah, there was really no, there was really no, I don't know if I'm making the right move. It was like, all right, this is, this is working well. Let's see how we can make it stronger. Yeah. Funneling these pedicabs right into your line. They're like, hey, I didn't ask you to take it. You're like, this is the only place we stopped. <laughs> we had we had a very nice reciprocal relationship with the pedicabs. You know, we had deals mm-hmm. with them. We'd give them money every time they came and drop people off. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, so what what were some of the biggest hurdles then? You know, there there had to be some points where you're like, man, I don't know if this is gonna work. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was I would say the biggest hurdles. In the in the early days, we're just one figuring out those. Pizza. Yeah, <laughs> one, yeah one, it was absolutely it was it was making pizza. I mean, one was like, all right, how do we make pizza? You know, we we make pizza the way we like to eat pizza. So you know, we never had a recipe. You know, we never had this like, I got grandma's recipe. You know, grandma Saboro's recipe. I got to bring down. Um, you know, we ate pizza the way we we made pizza the way we like to eat it. You know, we liked a a, a thin spicy sauce with big chunks of tomato, um, decent amount of cheese. You know, fresh ingredients. Um, I'll never say we have the freshest ingredients at late night slice, but we have the perfect ingredients for the product we want to put out. Um, and yeah, you know, it was, a. Uh, I, I kind of forget the question now. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about again? Talking about major hurdles. Man. Oh, major hurdles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there wasn't, I, I would say figuring out the big systems like, okay, now that we have 13 people on payroll, you know, and payroll for that then was me writing checks, <laughs> you know, there, there wasn't necessarily payroll, you know, there was, there was still this coming from your personal account. Yeah, kind of, you know, I mean, we, I had had a business account at, at that time, you know, pretty, pretty soon after that, but it was just writing checks, you know, which was terrible for everybody at tax time, but I didn't know that at the time. So, you know, figuring out, you know, okay, I had to go with a payroll service. Uh, you know, figuring that whole thing out, you know, figuring out a time clock, you know, cause back then it was like, here's a sheet right in the hour you got here, <laughs> you know, right in the hour in managing money, you know, those, those first couple days that you're not in, you know, for me, when we're not in the truck, you know, when we're not in the truck or not in the shack and somebody else is running it, you know, how do you, how do you have them report what the business they did that night? So, um, I, w- I would say just figuring out those systems and, and not coming from business at all. Um, other than, you know, having a, a bunch of giant tricycles, um, you know, it's all figuring that stuff out on your own. You know, I mean, it was, we figured out every, I would say that was the one, you know, kind of good thing about Late Night Slice. And one of the things that has taken Late Night Slice a long time to get where it is now is that every problem that we've had, we had to figure out on our own. You know, not one of us really came from a business background, especially our own. So, um, you know, I'd say to this day, still, you know, our biggest hurdle is figuring out some of these giant issues because every time we face one, you know, healthcare, well, all right, shit, how do you do that? <laughs> you know, uh, we figuring it out on our own. So, so talk a little bit about your business partners. Maybe talk exactly how you guys met, who they are. Maybe dive into a little bit more of that, and then how that process evolved, going from one store to multiple stores. So it's kind of conglomerating a couple sure. questions. Yeah. So um, my business partners, I started with uh, Jason Biendo. He, uh, him and I met when we worked at Max and Irma's down at City Center, which was, it, it, which is now a grass patch of the Columbus Commons. Uh, Jason and I, you know, became fast friends when we worked down there. He kind of trained me as a server uh, back in, you know, 2001, 2003, something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, we were just kind of buddies. He's, a, he's an incredibly creative guy. Uh, when he was with the pedicabs, he, he always took creative lead on doing a lot of the marketing and stuff. And so those talents really, uh, he adapted well when Late Night Slice came around. Uh, I always say Jason makes Late Night Slice look and sound like Late Night Slice. Um, I mean, he's taken over all the social media stuff. Uh, he does all of our graphics. Our, our logo is still one of his. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's incredibly talented, uh, as is Bryce, who we'll get into next, uh, at the things I'm not. So... Uh, between the three of us, you know, we work really, really well. Jason, you know, loves to be on his phone. He's always staring at his phone and taking pictures. I can't stand either of those things, and it's good that he does because he's really good at it, and you need that, right? Um, so, yeah, Jason's awesome. I, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today without without him. He's he's uh, he's he's awesome. 
Now, Bryce, I've known since sixth grade. Um, Bryce came along a little bit later as we were into the business, you know, a, a little bit. And, but he only came on full time about a year and a half, two years ago. And that was when he was ready for a change. You know, the business had gotten big enough that we could afford him essentially. And, uh, uh, so he was a silent partner for the first, you know, four years. And for the last couple, uh, he's been basically our financial guy. And, uh, he's one of these guys that loves digging into numbers, you know, and that's great because I can barely spell the word tax. So, you know, when I used to get that stuff, you know, that would come in, I'm like, taxes, I'll throw it behind me and we'll deal with that later. And usually dealing with that later was when the letters in the mail came and it was like, hey, dude, you got to deal with this now or we're going to take your shit. And I was like, oh, shit, okay, I got to deal with this now. So <laughs> Bryce is really good having here because he's really good at that stuff. Not only is he good at it, he loves to do it. So, you know, between, you know, my talents, which are, you know, just, you know, knowing when things can work, where, look, where they work and figuring out processes, Jason making things look and sound good and Bryce actually taking care of the business end of things. Um, the three of us work really, really well together. So, um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> they, they succeed splendidly where I do not. We're, <laughs> so. we're not recommending here at Conquering Columbus that you wait to pay your taxes until you get a letter in the mail saying... Hey, we're going to take your shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it ever got that far, but it, it, it probably, yeah, I'm sure it did at some point. You know, but then again, somebody out there getting a little annoyed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. It's not terrible timing. You got it done. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never, never been in too much trouble. So then or anything. we go from one to nine. Yep. So uh, these all came kind of by um, opportunity, really. So... Opened the shack in 2009 in July, November of that year we bought uh, the first food truck, and I think we were in our our third opportunity, which was Woodlands Tavern, I think. Yeah, it was either Woodlands or the Lido shop. I'm pretty sure it was Woodlands first, but uh, you know we were like, hey, we're looking to do something else with this. You know, we don't want to, we don't really have enough money to buy a bunch of equipment, but we could certainly operate a kitchen. And my buddies and I were out drinking one night at. at Woodlands when it had just turned to Woodlands Tavern. They were probably six months old at the time. And their kitchen was dark. And, you know, we just kinda asked around, you know, like what's what's up with your kitchen? You know, why aren't you using it? And they were just like, Hey, we 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 don't want to do it and we have nobody that can do it and we just don't want to have anything to do with it. So talk to the owner and we're like, Hey, let us do our thing here. And uh, you know, Woodlands was an amazing partnership for better part of four years or so. Um, so yeah, those guys are great. We're still buddies. Um, you know, it was kind of a mutual thing. We'd outgrown the space, you know, it was time for them to do something else as well. So, um, yeah, that was a great opportunity for us. Next came the Lido's spot. And that was at the time people were just kind of looking out for us. They're like, Hey, we got this pizza shop. It's up, you know, right around the corner from, from Lido's on Duncan, um, has equipment in there and everything. And those are the kind of things that we loved at the time. You know, we're like, hey, our own equipment, all we gotta do is move in, paint some walls, put our signs up, rock and roll, how much, <laughs> you know? Um, so that was our uh, number four. We had a couple things right around that time that, uh, you know, we're, we pulled out of. We were in a place down in Park Street, which was kind of awkward. Uh, we were in a place called Kicks up, uh, up by Polaris, off Sankis. Um, those lasted about a year each. You know, but uh, at, I, w I would say our growth, our, our growth strategy at that time was uh, fuck it, let's try it. So, <laughs> and and I think that lasted a little bit too long. Um, Sounds like a book down the road. I think you got that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be. Um, so I mean, we just we kind of tried everything. You know, I mean, to this day, we're still in a lot of things. You know, we have, you know, the the, the mix of restaurants at this time is we have three brick and mortar locations. We have three venues. The uh, the LC, which is now the Express Live venue, uh, indoor, outdoor, and the Newport. Uh, we're in a bunch of corporate cafeterias. Uh, we are in Nationwide, the Big Chase office, Cardinal Health, a couple others, one day a week. And then we have the three food trucks. So, um, yeah, we kind of we kind of dipped into a lot of different things and were fairly recently figured out exactly what we want to do. And, you know, that would be that, that the style of restaurant at 4th Street. Um, you know, full service, you got pizza by the slice where you can come in, get a slice and get out. Or if you want to, you can go in and have a drink, sit down and order a whole pie. So um, that's what we are really focusing on right now. And that's what we're going to be building more of here in the future. 
Hey guys, thanks a lot for listening today. We're just going to take a really quick break to support Columbus, Ohio native Lewis Howes, who is bringing an amazing event back to the city September 29th through October 1st, the Summit of Greatness. At this event, Lewis is bringing together some of the most inspiring leaders in the world to speak, but most importantly, the event's designed with the individuals attending in mind and at the forefront to help them get the most out of the weekend. You can listen to Lewis describe it himself at thesummitofgreatness.com. You can also find the itinerary there, the list of speakers, and pick yourself up some tickets. Thanks a lot to Lewis for bringing this back to Columbus. And without further ado, let's get back to the episode. So it seems like a lot of those opportunities kind of just fell in front of you guys and you capitalized on them and said, hey, let's run with it. Do you think that was just a result of being well-networked? or I mean, you feel like you must know a lot of people. Like, How has that kind of come about? Um, it, it was, it was, you know, you can never network too much, you know I mean? You just, was that conscious for you or is it just your personality seems like you're probably a pretty good, yeah, probably a little bit of both. You know, I, I think it was definitely more of just me wanting to, you know, talk to people, you yeah. know, and, uh, people liking the brand too. I think that's what, you know, spread a lot of that stuff is, you know, when we, when we first came out, I mean, we, I, I had worked at a bunch of Dick's last resorts back when I was younger, you know, serving tables. So I. I kind of learned that, uh, you know, being sassy, kind of berating people a little bit, but doing it with a smile, uh, people really latched onto. And I always said if there was a Dick's Last Resort that opened in Columbus, I would go get a job there at least one night a week. I have yet to do that now that there's a Dick's Last Resort in Columbus. But <laughs> Bryce said, I don't know if that'd be good for the brand, man, if you were serving tables. I'm like, yeah, probably right. <laughs> but I love serving tables, and if you have to serve tables, Dick's Last Resort is the absolutely best place to do it. Hands down, it is the best. Anyway. Hopefully um, they pay us for that one. That was, that was a I good know. plug that there. Was a good plug. I, I love I loved serving tables there. It was the best thing in the world. Um, so I, I think I wandered off once again. But um, <laughs> That's all right. We're good at wandering off at this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm a pro. No, <laughs> I think you covered the question, though. And I think the next thing I want to go into is a little bit, we kind of skipped over. What was the big differences for you guys between the food truck and a brick-and-mortar store? Was there any at all? Oh, there were so many. Yeah. Um, that's when somebody's like, Mike, hey, will you talk to me about opening a food truck? I was like, I will try to talk you out of that anytime. Let's grab a beer. Um, serious, though, food trucks are great. There's just... You know, food trucks aren't easy. You know, people think that food trucks are easier, you know, to do than a regular restaurant. But the only thing that is easier for a food truck is generally the purchase price. That's about the only thing that's easier to have a food truck. It's easier to get into a food truck than it, say, is to build an entire brick and mortar. Because you don't have a lot of the, uh, you don't have to jump through the same hoops you do when you open a brick and mortar. You don't have, you know, a building department to deal with. You don't have you know, a landlord necessarily, you don't have, you know, just a lot of the infrastructure that you have to do a certain way in a food truck up until very recently. And especially when I started in the food truck thing, it was a wild, wild west. And to a certain point, it kind of still is. So, you know, with a food truck, the, the, the point of entry is easier very much, but you don't have a house, you don't have a home, you don't have a consistent spot necessarily. So, that's your job is finding those consistent spots that people know you're going to be at every day. It is finding somewhere to house this thing because you have to have food. And if you can't plug this thing in, you know, you have all this food you got to do. So you got to have, you know, a home base for this thing. Um, winter in a food truck is absolute misery because those have aluminum floors. And when the aluminum floors they are the exact same temperature as the outside, because there's about an eighth of an inch of aluminum between the inside and the outside. And there is it is it is a miserable existence to have a, that's why a lot of them don't operate in the winter um so you then have the decision well you could operate or put it away for the winter and if you put it away for the winter then what are you going to do um so you know there's a lot of advantages to having a food truck but it's no easier than opening up a restaurant it really isn't it's just at times cheaper and honestly you can go out and spend as much money as you want on a food truck. You know, you could spend a hundred grand very, very easily on a big, beautiful food truck. So, yeah. And so a question I had that we were talking about while we were talking about the food truck, and I think it applies well to the food truck is how has your branding evolved since the beginning when you had one restaurant, one food truck? I mean, that's mm -hmm. a very different image from, Hey, I have nine restaurants and two food trucks. Sure. And, and that was a big jump too. Right. It really is. Um, I, I, I will say that's one of the, uh, you know, to, to touch on the last question a bit, that is one of the best things about a food truck is that if you can use that food truck along with a, say, another restaurant, 
it is your best marketing tool you have to have that big vehicle rolling around with your logo on it. You can take your product to the people, you know, and that's one of the best things about a food truck. I would say a food truck is, you know, if you don't have one and if that's not your only thing, getting a food truck for, you know, for branding is one of the best moves you can make. Um, so the brand, how the brand developed, um, that was one of those things where, you know, we, we started off with a logo, we liked it, and then we started just being sassy, you know, we, we, we had this sauce, we love to be, we love to dip, you know, so we had all these sauces, we know we wanted to, you know, have sauces available for our, our customers so they could customize their sauces, and we developed this thing called Slut Sauce, and it was uh, an amazing hit. Uh, the sauce itself was was delicious, and people, you know, people, people in Columbus at the time were, you know, and they still are. And this is one of the best things about Columbus is that people people look for those destination places. They look for the places they that they can be proud of, that they can bring a friend who just got off an airplane, and they go, all right, these are the the, the spots we got to hit while you're in Columbus, you know. And that's what we tried to make late night slices, you know, one of those places where you know a, a destination, and if destination meant you know, late pizza with funny signs on the wall and we had a, you know, sauce that was, you know, irritating to some people uh, and maybe, you know, offensive to some people, then it got people talking, you know, and it, uh, that was, I think, one of the, you know, cool things about us in the early days were, you know, we didn't have to, you know, we didn't have to worry about the things we have to worry about now. Um, so that was, you know, kind of cool is that we could just do whatever we wanted and, you know, people loved it, you know, because they had never seen that before. You know, they were looking for that thing that was just a little bit different in Columbus. And they're still doing that, you know. So that's kind of the, the way the brand evolved was by just us having a pretty irreverent sense of humor and just throwing things up there and seeing if they'd stick, you know. So, so kind of you talk about a lot of things you have to worry about today. What are some of those items that you guys wouldn't have imagined or you didn't see coming at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, so when I say, when I say things like that you don't have to worry about today, like right now we're really focused on, you know, whether this concept is going to work, not only in, you know, busy bar districts, in uh, will, will it work in the suburbs? You know, will this thing work around the loop? Furthermore, is this concept going to work outside of that? You know, will it work in Cleveland or Kent or Cincy or Dayton? So... You know, we got to worry about, you know, appealing to a broader mass of people. And when you do start appealing to a broader mass of people, there's some things that at times you have to give up. And that's just the reality of growth, you know, that you can't hold on to everything that, that you know, worked when you were small. You know, if you want to grow, you have to make those sacrifices. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you, you, you got to hold on to the, some of the things that make you unique. But you also have to decide, you know, for the sake of growth, you know, are there things you can give up? And for us, that was, you know, why Slut Sauce disappeared, you know, and some of the things, you know, some of the more arguably vulgar things that we used to do, you know, we, we realized that you can be funny and clever without being rude or mean. You it's know? hard. It is. You know, there's a line <laughs> there, especially for, you know, a 20-year-old, a 20-some-year-old guy you know, who thinks, you know, who grew up on like Family Guy and Tosh and everything, you know, you have to you really realize that, okay, not everybody is a 28 year old male, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> not, you know, your, 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 your customer mix is, is much broader than that. So, you know, you have to appeal to, to everybody. And as you get broader, you know, you, so people call it selling out, but I don't think of it as selling out at all. It's just, you know, to grow, sometimes you just have to sacrifice a little bit and, and that's okay. Those people also aren't paying the bills, so right. that's typically where it's easy to throw out and sign out. Yeah. yeah. And but, well, uh, you know, one question I've had while you're talking about that is, um, well, we're going to have to edit this out because I completely forgot my question. <laughs> uh, I cannot believe I just forgot that. Give me a second. It was about slut sauce. It was about slut sauce. It was about, not just slut sauce. Oh, here we go. Pause. We're not editing that out. You're a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the question I had was, um, moving forward with that, as you expanded, um, how has the competition changed mm -hmm. and all? And, and, like, in the beginning, you know, you, you knew that there was a need for late night slice. Right. But have other people caught on? Are other people trying to step in and compete? And 
how do you think that you'll face competition if you move outside of Columbus? Yeah. Um, in Columbus, you know, one of our goals was to grow really, really fast so we could saturate the market, so we could kind of, you know, stave off any uh, competitors coming in. To this day, I mean, there's there's really not that many people who deal in the same realm we do. And I've always said, you know, we're not a pizza shop. We're a late-night eatery that happens to sell pizza. So, you know, that's what I, I really you know, try to hold on to when we're looking to these places, like where can a late night eatery go, not where can a pizza shop go, you know, because, um, you know, pizza is one of those foods, a million people do it, and they do it a million different ways. You know, people ask me, you know, in the short north, was I nervous when uh, Pies and Pints opened up right next to us? I said, not at all. It was a good thing, because they just do pizza in a different way that we do. And we just, you know, we, we happen to make the same product, but we do it in to two totally different ways. And, the good thing about them opening up is that they're bringing more people down to this end of the short north. So, you know, anything that, you know, comes into an area like that um, is good for everybody. Um, so it's, it's been great, um, you know, having the places that, you know, the pizza around us that has, you know, popped up. Um, everybody likes different pizza, you know. I mean, every one of us in this room could have a different favorite pizza. And most people listening, I'm sure, have a different favorite pizza. So, but if it's um, not Mikey's, then you're wrong. Then you're wrong. Yeah. Then you know. Then your opinion is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bummer. So, what about uh, key mentors throughout this entire growth period? Anybody that you turned to in particular that really helped you out? You know, not necessarily. Um, that's always been kind of a hard question for me because you know I never really had anybody that you know I was like I was like follow your dreams, man. You know, it was it was I was like I don't know I got something that seems to be working. We got lines. All right, cool. Let's keep doing it let's keep figuring out the problems, you know? So, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've always like listened to podcasts and everything. And I think those things are great for you. You know, I mean, I had, I was listening to, you know, those audio books from like Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and Tommy Thompson, you know, when I was like, I don't know, 16, that probably had something to do with, you know, all of this later. But, uh, yeah, I always said like listening to smart people talk is one of the best things you can do. It really is. You know, just listen to smart people talk, <laughs> you know, and absorb it. Well, another question I had is off the top of my head. Where are some of the key places you guys are keeping the food trucks today, and how has that kind of evolved? It has. Because isn't there, isn't there been something I thought I heard about a law getting passed, something where they're starting to really restrict on what you can do and where you can be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is. And uh, I was actually on a lot of those boards that helped craft those laws within the last couple of years. So um, it was really important to me to make sure food trucks had a place in Columbus um, because a lot of communities – you know, basically when food trucks started becoming popular, just wrote them off. And we're like, hey, we don't want them here. We don't want to even deal with, uh, you know, trying to craft laws that can accommodate them. So, uh, you know, a lot of communities, like even big as Chicago, just recently redid their food truck laws to allow them. Um, that was really different in Columbus. You know, we got with the Restaurant Association, uh, Ohio Association of, uh, of Restaurants, and uh, we were with the Central Ohio uh, Restaurant Association, Cora at the time, and, you know, we worked side by side with them to craft these laws that were, you know, basically picked and pulled from the best laws around the country. And we got some really progressive food truck laws here in Columbus. Um, um, there's been some ups and downs, of course. We've spent years trying things that, you know, haven't necessarily worked. And, um, you know, it's been a process. But, you know, for the most part, Columbus has a really thriving food truck scene. And uh, it's because, you know, not only our city leaders, but our industry leaders were you know, willing to step up and work together and, and, you know, craft these great laws. So um, we're actually pretty lucky to have, you know, the things that we have in Columbus food truck wise. Right. And that kind of leads into a question about Columbus in general. Um, obviously our podcast is called Concrete Columbus and we love Columbus and we think that there are a lot of good things about it, but what do you think personally of Columbus as not just a restaurant and food haven, because mm -hmm. I feel that it is that and um, probably don't have enough experience in the food industry to say that, but I, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that, and then also as just for business in general. Yep. Um, so Columbus is definitely a food haven, but that's often you know when a community starts developing into more of kind of like a, a, a hip place. You know, that's one of the first things you know that you see is you start seeing you know restaurants pop up, you start seeing fusion restaurants pop up, you start seeing the gastropub pop up. You know, so. Um, you know, I would say for Columbus, it started with trendy shopping first, and that's when we started getting the city centers and the, you know, the Eastons and everything. And with that came 
uh, with that came the restaurants and with that came the short north, you know, to be what it is today. Um, Columbus is a ripe place. I would say Columbus is, you know, one of the best places to start a business for the single reason that it's not oversaturated. Um, there's really nothing, there's, I can't really think of one industry that's really oversaturated right now in Columbus. You know, I always give the example of Austin, Texas, which was a very similar city to ours, as in it's a capital city, big state university. We're always about, you know, neck and neck for the you know biggest communities and our biggest cities rather in 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 the country um i think they beat us out but we're like 15 and 16 last time i checked um you know they had you know at the time hundreds of pedicabs they had 110 pedicabs a couple of years ago we had five or eight you know um pizza by the slice you know late night slice was one of the first ones to come into their downtown area you know downtown austin had you know dozens of them down there i mean you couldn't you know, walk three blocks without hitting three or four pizza by the slice places. So that's the cool thing about Columbus is that it's so ripe for entrepreneurship and there's no better time to start a business than right now. There really isn't. Um, with the information so readily available, um, with people wanting services so much, with the ease of social media and getting, you know, your message out there, there really is no better time. You know, and it, it takes people, you know, putting their eyes down, not listening to the news that the economy's bad or that the president's going to, you know, screw your life up or whatever. Uh, it takes people saying, I found a hole and I'm going to not watch TV from the time I get home to the time I go to bed. I'm going to spend those five or six hours learning about this hole that I see and trying to fill it. And that's that's. That's why Columbus has always brought me back because there's a lot of that spirit going on and, and it's it's really cool to see, you know, these people within this community seeing these holes, you know, traveling around the country, seeing things that are working and bringing it back here because that's all you need to do. You, you don't need to reinvent the wheel and that's what's cool about Columbus is there's things working all over the country, all over the world and all you got to do is recognize one of those things see that there's a hole here in Columbus and, and, and work to fill it and then sit back and watch it take off. So um, we're really lucky to live in, in a community like that. Yeah, and you've traveled a lot. You said you're DJing, so you've had a lot of experiences mm -hmm. and a really good background to make an opinion like that and still think that Columbus has so much going on for it, which is pretty cool to hear. Indeed. Um, but I kind of want to talk about a little bit your culture again and talk about like the process of hiring once they weren't your friends anymore. Yeah. What was that like? Did you go out of your way or make a conscious effort to make sure that you're maintaining and hiring the right people that fit kind of within what you guys wanted to represent? You know, it was really, uh, I think back in the day, it was, uh, it was, it was funny cause we didn't really know what we wanted. You know, we, <laughs> we used to have this policy that the policy was you can drink, but don't get drunk. Funny how things change. Um, but that was kind of the, you know, the mindset back then it was like, you know, all right, you can, you know, it was mostly pedicabbers, you know, mostly I was like, hey, you get want some extra shifts, you know, come work in the pizza shop. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really funny to see some of those those really early uh, uh, rules that we had. You know, there was a lot of people, a lot of people still my buddies today that, you know, a lot of the rules and the, the stuff that we have today were crafted because of them. Mm -hmm. We had one guy that we, you know, we call it the, the Kevin Law, and it was uh, – well, was it Kevin Laws? Is it plugged in? You know, because he'd call you at like three in the morning, like, Mike, something's broke. The, the pizza oven is off. And you're like, all right, is it, is, it, is it turned on? Yes, it's turned on. All right, is it plugged in? Hold on. No. Okay, no, it got unplugged. <laughs> all right, all right. The Kevin Law. The Kevin Law, is it plugged in? Jeez. Uh, and, uh, you know, something like, you know, our, our, our one buddy, Lindsay, you know, he, he taught us that you have to spell out everything, you know, when you're making these manuals or something, you have to, you know, you have to make them really plain to figure out. So, you know, walk in door, turn on light. <laughs> you know, it starts at the very beginning. So, uh, you know, a lot of those early guys taught us a lot about, you know, processes and how you document processes and, and the, the need for pictures and, you know, the need to actually, you know, put things on paper to show people how to do stuff. Um, because at the time, you know, we were on the food truck or we were in Woodlands or we were working, you know, I'm, I didn't step out of the shops till probably two, three years ago. Probably closer to three or four years ago, but uh, 
yeah, you know, all those things had to be documented before he could step out of a shop because, you know, people need to know what to do. Right. Absolutely. So one question I've got for you that I'm sure everybody asks you, where do you get your idea for your pizza flavors? I just saw you had a pesto <laughs> chicken. Yeah. That looked really good. Oh, it's I was excellent. very close to getting that pizza, but I got the, the uh, <laughs> Spicy. pepperoni, uh, <laughs> banana pepper instead yep, yep. to uh, my demise. <laughs> I think some of the most fun times we have still today are uh, when we all get to sit around the table and think of the names for the pizza of the weeks. So um, we pretty much just, whatever we think of, you know, whatever is the popular flavor of the day, we try to make a pizza around it. You know, we just got done doing the chicken and waffles pizza last week. And that was when chicken and waffles, it's still pretty popular today, but about a year or two ago, it was really popular. Everybody had a chicken and waffles, you know. So we did a chicken and waffles pizza. We've done, um, ooh, what have we done? We've done, we've done a lot of really, like mac and cheese is a great, then we did the spicy mac and cheese with bacon. So, uh, you know, we just think, what crazy stuff can we make a pizza out of? We did a White Castle pizza one time where we actually chopped up sliders and put those. We did a filet of fish pizza one time. Um, it tasted remarkably like a McDonald's filet of fish. It was uncanny. Um, it didn't sell very well. <laughs> uh, neither did the White Castle one. That was that wasn't even good. That was. Oof, that was was there any partnership there? Was you guys just buying? Nah, loads we of just White went. Castle? No, we, I mean we were like a block away from a White Castle. We we're like, all right, go buy a bag of sliders, and we just chopped them up. And just oh, made a pizza with it. it was it was gnarly. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so we there's I mean we there's nothing we haven't put on a pizza at this point. You know there's you name it we'll try to make a pizza out of it. In fact, those of us from northeastern Ohio, um, we're getting ready to make a Swenson's inspired pizza called the Galley Boy, and that's coming out in a couple of weeks, and it's awesome. Nice. I had a roommate. Once it tastes like from, a Galley Boy. He's from up there. He's from Akron, and I literally couldn't tell him I hey I'm driving north. I'm going this way. He goes, you gotta go to Swenson's. Oh yeah, every time. Every time. There's I've no never one. Heard of every that. every person I have ever met from Cleveland, if I'm like, hey, I'm going driving up that direction, they're like, you gotta go to Swenson's. Yep. Is it like a, what kind of style? It's restaurant? a drive-in burger place. Are you? Are it has about eight locations, give or take, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic. You know, it's like the car hops, kind of like the old the old burger stands. It's yeah. just great. I mean, their burgers are fantastic. They've been voted best burger in the country by you know mm-hmm. magazines here and there. Um, but yeah, it was funny because, you know, going up to visit my folks, it used to cost me $50 every time I would go back to see my parents because I'd have to bring 30 bucks in Jenny's up and then I'd have to bring 20 bucks in Swenson's down to Columbus. So not only did it cost me the gas, it cost me 50 bucks to go home and see my folks every time I did it. (laughs) And then the visits dropped drastically. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Then I stopped seeing my parents. (laughs) Pedicabs aren't doing that good. You guys, <laughs> yeah, stop. yeah, you guys got to come down here. So, what is the? Well, actually, another question I had: Do any of those flavors stick around, or do you guys decide to keep any of them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, some of the ones that we only do a one-off. A lot of pizzas at this time, we have such an index of pizzas, you know, flavors at this point that uh, we pretty much only do them about once a year. There's a few that we we keep in the rotation, you know, like twice a year or something like the the mac and cheese is kind of like our McRib. You know, we bring it out at like, you know, New Year's or Christmas or something and then in like midsummer. Um, but everything else we do like once once a year, you know. So we have probably 50 pizzas that rotate just on a week cycle. And uh, yeah, we have occasionally we'll do like a one-off, you know, just to try something fun. You know, the Thanksgiving pizza. The Gobbler, that is an incredible pizza. That's awesome. Uh, that's a really good one. So what is sourcing? The, I don't even know if I what the answer I'm going to get from this question because you just told me you drove down to White Castle and bought 50 sliders and chopped them up. But what does sourcing the ingredients for the main pizzas look like for you guys and how has it changed since you guys have grown? Yeah. Um, you know, in the beginning it was... <laughs> we've always had, I would say from probably the first six months in, we started with those those four core pizzas cheese with fresh basil, the mushroom with roasted garlic, uh, plain pepperoni, and the spicy pepperoni. We've always had those four. We just introduced sausage uh, when we opened fourth, and that's pretty much everywhere, and that's our fifth standard pizza of the week. And then we always have a sixth, which is the pizza of the week. So um, sourcing everything, we've gone, you know, from just, I would say in the beginning we did what every small business or I guess every small restaurant does, 
and you know you go out to restaurant depot out on wilson road and you know you pack your car full of ingredients and you know you do that for until you until you can't do that anymore until you have to have a van and then at that point you call a food service you know so we had a couple food services uh we're with rdp now uh, we were with gfs you know originally which was a great relationship and we have an awesome relationship with rdp now those guys are local and they uh they do great stuff and they're they're good friends yeah so um couple more questions here to go and uh one question that josh brought up in the last episode that we recorded that i really liked and we included in this one is if you could have lunch with any three people oh i hate that question i hate that question uh Uh, i didn't because i didn't think about it (laughs) he stole stole it from a podcast that wasn't ours you know we're using it now so it's too late pass on the question because i just sit here and like hum about it (laughs) i if i were prepared for it i'd tell you but I, i i would just I'm just gonna. Oh, I don't know. No, we're good. We've never had anybody pass on a question. It's bold. I like it's a bold it. Bold. I know. You know what? For the sake of the podcast, I'm passing. <laughs> so, what does the future look like for you guys? Do you think you'll ever expand out of Columbus? Do you guys have any um, particular areas in mind right now? Is there any big vision? Yep. Yeah. So we, uh, you know, in the next seven, eight years, we want to add um, something like 15, 16 restaurants. You know, if not more. Uh, on top of the nine already. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to go with the full service concept uh, that has been working really well for us. You know, we have our eyes on Cincinnati. We have our eyes on Cleveland right now. Um, so in the next couple of years, we'd like to grow with at least one to two more of these, you know, full service spots in Columbus. Uh, and then, you know, within those times too, we within the first next two years, we'd have like to have at least two restaurants within two hours here. You know, so Cleveland, Cincy, you know, Dayton. Uh, Kent is always on our radar. I, since I grew up with Kent in my backyard, uh, you know it looks awesome right now. So, um, so yeah, that's that's the plan is to take the, you know, the Fourth Street model, you know, there of, you know, slices up front. You can get in and out, or you can sit around, relax, have a pizza, have a couple drinks, play a game of pool, um, you know, in a really fun eclectic atmosphere. You know, we want, we've always said pizza is an experience, you know, I mean, going to late night slice, you know, will always be an experience. You know, that's, that's one thing that we really want it to be. We want to have the experience there more than we want you to just come for a slice of pizza. You know, anybody can do pizza. Who cares? You know, we make pizza. Who cares? It's about that experience. It's about that. And then what, you know, so for us that, and then what is, is, is the experience you get, you know, it's the eclectic atmosphere. It's the, you know, the fun you get while standing in line oddly, you know, when you're drunk at two 30 in the morning at the shack, um, it's the movies on the wall. It's the, it's the signs. It's, you know, the people that work there. So, um, yeah, late night slice is an experience. And, you know, it's been one of the hardest things is, you know, coming from a concession stand in a food truck, how do you convey that experience to a full service dining place? You know, so that was, uh, you know, how do you take that food service experience? How do you take that standing in line experience and then make it into a restaurant? So that was, uh, that was a fun project for us to, to really wrap our minds around making a, a basically a food truck, a, food, a full service restaurant. Yeah, it was interesting to hear you say that. And then I just couldn't help myself. I was thinking of, we recently did an episode with Fusion, mm-hmm. who you mentioned earlier. Oh, and yeah. you both have a similar mindset with very different, like, atmospheres yep. right and that the atmosphere is the most important part of the experience yep. with your food is the most important part and i think that anyone who i've ever met who's successful in a in a restaurant style business has, has had that same opinion but very true do you have any worries or any fears like all the locations you guys have had you kind of fell into you knew columbus like the back of your hand as you go into these new markets mm-hmm. um i guess you guys are at a point where you know if it doesn't work we back off and we walk away but as you're picking these locations, is it like, hey, you know, this is the happening bar. We're going to try to put it right next to this. What's that process like? It is. It's really scary because, you know, we, we know something that works in Columbus. And that's, I think you nailed it there, is that we know this place so well. But, you know, going into, you know, some of these other markets, you just don't know that well. So you read, you talk to people, you know, you visit and you, you make your best guess on where, you know, you want to spend your money and, and build your spot. So, yeah, it really is. It's, 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 it's tough. It's scary. Um, but, you know, I think at this point we're confident enough with the, the product, the brand, and um, 
you know, we've been stepping into markets. We brought the food truck down to Cincinnati a bunch. You know, we've been at Bunbury. Uh, we've been to a couple other festivals down there. Um, Cincinnati has been really receptive towards us, which has been awesome. It's been awesome to see this brand. And, you know, when we go down there and we have, you know, 50, 70, 100 people waiting in line, that's awesome. You know, that's awesome to see that happening two hours south and people talking about, you know, how they've been waiting for this for a year and, you know, how they, you know, visit Columbus and always tell their friends about it and everything. And they're so glad we're down there. So it's pretty cool to hear, to, to see that happening in other places. So I'm pretty confident, you know, the, the more that we grow slow, we grow close to home that, you know, we'll do, we'll do this fine. Absolutely. And you mentioned there, like you might've even just described it, but I was going to ask what your coolest experiences have been with creating your own business like this. And I'm assuming like what you just said, seeing 7,500 people standing in line for something you've created has got to be pretty cool. Is there anything else significant that really stands out to you that's been like, hey man, wow, that's awesome, we did this? Yeah. Um, you know, getting, uh, I would say when we first got our first Best Pizza in Columbus Award, that was that was awesome. And, um, you know, we had, for a long while, we, we were getting some awards for like Best Food Truck, you know, and that was really awesome to, you know, to rise to the top of that, uh, you know, really busy field. Um, but a couple of years ago, we won uh, first place best pizza. And it was either the Alive or 614. I forget who gave it to us first. But to be in a, you know, a pizza city like Columbus is, and I don't even know how many different pizza shops there are, but there's got to be hundreds, you know. And each one of those hundred pizzas shops has their own followers. You know, like I said, pizza is such a personal thing to people. So, um to be able to rise within, you know, I think it was five years and, you know, get an award that said we had the best pizza in Columbus was really, really cool. Um, that was really validating, like, okay, we're doing something right here. You know, not only are people, you know, not only do they dig the experience, they like the product too. And not only is it the experience, you know, we're not just kitschy. We don't just, you know, have sauces with stupid names or, you know, signs on the wall or, or whatever. It's, you know, we're not just drunk food you know, people actually dig the product. It's like, oh yeah, they're a late night eatery, but they happen to have awesome pizza too. So um, yeah, that was that was really cool. I would say that was like definitely one of the coolest things. And actually we won that award in the Alive and 614 uh, multiple times now since, I think three or four times we've won Best Pizza in Columbus. So that's really cool to see. Really yeah, that's cool. impressive. So I think uh, one, one of the last questions we want to ask is the theme of our podcast, which is on the back of our shirts, is uh, live uncomfortable. And because we feel that, you know, to be successful, not just in business, but in life and with other people, and you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations to, to grow. Yep. And what do you feel about that, um, that slogan, and what do those words mean to you? Um, I would say, like, two things. I, I, I see that in, like, two ways. Like, for one, never be settled with what you have. You know, that's, it's almost like live unsettled, you know, or, like, never, never stop being comfortable with what you have. So that's one way I look at it. And then... Uh, uh, the other one and it just escaped me and, Crap. and while you're thinking of that though I'm interested I was really looking forward to Mike answering that because I feel like as we're sitting here with you you seem like a very easygoing guy who's kind of just taking life as it's come and it's really like played to your favor because you're like oh man well there's not this so I'll create this and like just seem very relaxed and kind of enjoying every moment and not getting caught up in the future vision too much and like and I think that's interesting to hear you say just like don't live settled and just you know even 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 if you're enjoying the moment just still don't be content with where you are yeah um, but has, has money ever been a big motivation for you has it always ever been like man i want to or has it just been i mean i want to get by and have fun as i'm getting by i don't i would say money's never been that big of a motivator for me i think what's been the motivator for me is filling those holes in columbus you know i mean that's that's my that's my main motivation is you know building something that people will love and then the money follows that, you know? So, I mean, I never wanted to be, you know, I never, I still don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be rich in the typical term, you know, as long as I have enough money to have fun and take a vacation or two now and again and be able to, you know, screw off when I want to, I'm totally happy. Um, you know, I, I love building things that Columbus people like, you know, that's, that's my main motivation for sure. Um, that's what I want to keep doing. You know, that's why I said in the beginning, you know, my life's kind of boring at this point. Uh, you know, we're getting ready to do another concept. I can't wait. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting. You know, we're building this one. We're, we're working on another one. Um, it's cool. You know, I think Columbus is, 
I, I see holes in Columbus, and I, I can't wait to fill them. <laughs> oh, that is, I can't think of a better note to end on right there. That's awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, that was Mikey again. We'll have all of his links linked up in our show notes and posted down there for you guys to check out, social media accounts, websites, all that good stuff. Um, is there any final closing words that you, you kind of want to end on the fill in the hole note? No, nah, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> no, I had a blast doing this, guys. Thanks a lot for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, Conquerors, that's the end of the episode. want to give a big thank you to Mike Saboro for joining us today. And if you like this episode, go ahead and rate us on iTunes and check us out on all our social media pages. And give us a follow if you want to stay up to date on everything Conquering Columbus. If listening to this episode has made you want to grab a slice of pizza, Check out Mikey's food at one of his nine locations here in Columbus or his two food trucks. And uh, again, guys, we're really grateful to you for listening. And we'll see you next week. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.